Good afternoon, everyone. This is Dominique, your hostess with the mostest, and I am here for the first episode of You, Me, Us, We, the new podcast for the community by the community. And I am here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, downtown at Starbucks, one of my favorite places, of course, because I love Starbucks, whatever. Forget all you Dutch brother lovers. <laughs> but uh, I am here with my first guest for the first episode, who actually I am very excited to have. Um, I've seen his Facebook post for a while. <laughs> like, low-key, I kind of Facebook stalk him. He doesn't know. It. Well, he just found out. But <laughs> low-key, I do Facebook stalk him. But he's such a great friend and such a great, you know, personality. And I want you guys to meet him. Say hello to Jacob Foreman. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, first of all, I want to say um, I, I, I also am a fan of Starbucks, although I have nothing against Dutch Brothers. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a coffee, you know, I guess I just like coffees, but, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be on here. It's, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Oh, uh, thank you, Jacob, for, again, being the first <laughs> guest on here. Honestly, I wouldn't even say guest, because, you know, at this point, you're now part of the Art Matters Movement family, so thank you once again for coming through. So, uh, I sent you, like, a whole list of <laughs> topics. Yep. Uh, we're going we're gonna to cover as much as possible. Um, like I said, it's mostly just an idea. It gives you an idea of where we're going, where we're headed. Um, so I guess we'll just start like this. Um, you know, recently, well, last year, uh, Colorado in- elected its fir- the first, the first, allegedly, um, openly gay governor um, ever in America. It was all over the news. It was on, even on BBC. Like, you know, see, yeah. it was, you know, it was, it was a big deal. Yeah, it was definitely. a huge deal. Um, so my, my question to you would be, um, what do you think about just, you know, the whole election and... Well, personally, you know, I, I follow politics pretty closely, right. as I'm sure you're aware. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, there were a lot of good things that happened just as the election as a whole. There were a lot of good things that happened in the election. You know, obviously there were some disappointments. I was personally disappointed the fact that um, the fracking setback initiative failed. That would have been a huge, that would have been a huge, um, huge thing for Colorado, especially for the communities up north who are suffering from fracking wells in their backyard. Oh yeah. But um, as far as Jared Polis's election, um, you know, I worked. I actually did canvas and made phone calls to help get him elected. Oh, so wow. it was, yeah. I um, I I, volu- I did a lot of volunteering. I knocked on probably like hundreds of doors for him, literally. Um, so that was exciting. I mean, especially for me. Not only was he the first openly gay governor, he's also the first Jewish governor of Colorado. So that as a as an openly gay Jewish man, that that was pretty exciting as far as barriers. Right. But at the same, so you know, I was excited, and I do realize that is that is something we should be celeb- We should be celebrating that because that is a significant barrier breaker, and it shows that we're going into a time where policy matters more than pe- people's identity, you know, their sexuality, their gender identity, their religion, etc. Right. Policy matters more in what they in their their resume, what they what they have to offer, which it should be the case. Hopefully we come to a, a time and place. Um, and really, you know, when you look at the whole campaign with Jared Polis, right. his the fact that he was gay was not hardly ever brought up 
during the election. It was it was really only made kind of a big deal after he was elected, you know, because everybody was celebrating, you know, it, right. it, it was a big moment. So, um, but that fact about him, that characteristic about him, was not really made a state a cornerstone of the camp, of the gubernatorial campaign on either side and that is a I think that's a testament to how much progress we've made in this state the fact that it's not really I mean yes it is a big deal because it's a it, he broke a glass ceiling in, in a sense by becoming the first openly gay governor but the fact that that point like the fact that he that point was not harped on much throughout as at all throughout the election right. was a significant point now, as far as policy goes, um, you know, I, I do think, um, you know, great, we celebrate it, but I do, I do think now that, now that he's had sort of his honeymoon period as governor, right. um, you know, he, as the first openly gay governor, I do think now, you know, we have to remember that he has a he he's made he made some pretty significant promises some promises that personally i was excited about and you know a couple of the things that i reasons i decided to work on his election were his promise to move colorado to 100 percent renewable energy by 2040 and also his promise to um move colorado towards universal health care i feel those are two of my biggest issues and i and now that he is now that he is our governor, as his constituent, I intend to hold him accountable, and I, I hope that others will also make sure that he's following through the, with his promises. And sort of, now that we've had we've had some time to celebrate right. the fact that he's the first openly gay governor, but now I think it's time to sort of, you know, really, you know, kind of hold his feet to the fire. Not necessarily like. I mean, we, we we're, you know, give him a chance, obviously, but make sure we're saying, okay, we elected you to do these things. Yeah. We expect you to fall through with these promises because, exactly. yeah, because you know, it, we're not going to just, you know, let you off the hook just because, you know, you're openly gay or, you know, you're even if you're a good person. Listen, if I was, if you know, if I was ever elected to hold public office, I would expect people to judge me based on what I was doing in office, not whether or not they like me as a person. So right. I, I intend to I intend to evaluate Jared Polis as gov his job as governor um, by um, looking at what he's doing as governor, not necessarily, you know, how cool of a person he is. You know, <laughs> obviously, I think it's a little too early at this sense in the game to really evaluate how he's doing. He hasn't had that much, much time, yeah. but... You know, I'm I'm optimistic that he's going to do a good job, but at the same time, I intend to hold his feet to the fire. Of course, and that, that's what we should do. Period. Yep, absolutely. You know, and and that and that goes like towards my next question is that, you know, yes, hold him accountable 100 mm -hmm. percent, but even even then, it's like you know, you look at titles like the first openly gay, whatever the you know the yep. first this, the first that. And it's like that title itself, in my own personal opinion, comes with accountability and responsibility. Absolutely, yes. You know, and even though he is one of us, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. but it's like, should we, I mean, I feel like we should hold him responsible for not only what he does and what he says while in office, but do you think we should hold him responsible for him representing the LGBTQ community as a whole? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I think we have to keep in mind 
when we're talking about representing the LGBT community, that, you know, we have to look at Jared Polis as a gay man is the part of the sector of the LGBT community that is pretty privileged. I mean, he's white. He's, he's <laughs> in a wealthy entrepreneur. True. And, you know, we need to remember that when it comes to LGBTQ issues, there are intersections with things like racism, sexism, even, you know, issues within our own community with racism. Um, And, you know, people, and, you know, I include myself in this, really, when I I talk about people who are privileged, you know, I'm I'm a white gay man, so, (laughs) cisgender man, so, you know, it's, you know, I am more privileged, I have more privilege than, say, a a queer person of color does, you know, just based on my skin color. And unfortunately, that's just the society we live in. So I have to realize that privilege and look at LGBTQ issues, not just as, okay, yay, we have the right to marry. So we're done. We're done here. Or yay, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, the stories of, you know, or LGBTQ, um, Couples are being, you know, normalized in the media. That's great, but we still have disproportionate numbers of, particularly of, of violence. Uh, particularly, I mean, I think, I think we really have to make sure not to leave the the trans and um, gender non-binary community out of the question when we're talking about LGBTQ communities, because because I think that right now, although strides have been made. Uh, enormous strides have been made in the last decade or so um, uh, with the acceptance, the public acceptance of gays, lesbians, and you know, to an extent, people who are bisexual. That still, we, there's still a lot of. I, I think, to some point, there's still a lot of people who don't really understand the complex, the complexity of sexuality as a spectrum. Um, and therefore don't really understand that, you know, people who are bisexual don't, aren't, you know, they're not, they act, they're, they're not just, you know, attracted to everybody, you know, they, you know, people who are bisexual still, and there's a lot of misunderstanding within the LGBT community community with with bisexuality, although that is changing, and that's kind of another topic, but (laughs) as far as, um, uh, my point is that we really need to recognize the intersectionality of our community. You know, we're not just all, you know, white, affluent, wealthy right. people. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, and I think I think it's we're, we're improving on this, but a lot of times, you know, we look at issues like access to health care. Right. Certain, you know, even certain people, uh, certain Portions or sectors within the LGBTQ community have better access to quality, you know, quality, safe healthcare than others, and we need that. Really, needs to be a a a topic that we discuss and hold our elected officials accountable for uh, when we're talking about having them represent the entire community. So, you know, I obviously. You know, convert. I'm really excited. One of the things I'm really excited about, and that should have been done long ago, is to talk about uh, conversion, the uh, 
potential the conversion therapy ban that they've been trying to do in the, the state legislature for years, but it's always just been killed in committee. Um, that that is extremely important, um, and you know, it's and and that is that is a good step, and you know, but I think that even once we even once we we do that and we get rid of conversion therapy in Colorado um, there is a lot more work to be done because just because you make conversion therapy illegal there's still doesn't doesn't mean there's aren't families who will still there those families who are willing to disown their children for their sexuality or their gender identity that, that there are still other ways though. absolutely i mean yeah. pe- people will find and I'm, not, I'm just saying not just for the christian community you know being you know but also other religious communities will find other ways oh, absolutely you yes know, they'll, they'll find something else if they can't shock shock therapy you they will yeah you know yeah, mind, honestly they'll mind fuck you <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know yep you know i'm you know so I, you know, that is a good point. I think one of the things, you know, that I think we're finally realizing in our community, in, in the LGBTQ community, we have, you know, it's important to celebrate our strides, but we have to realize that, that just having a victory does not mean that we have achieved our end goal. Yeah. Our end goal is when we get to a point where people don't have to come out like as gay or, right. you know, or it's just sort of nonchalant, you know, it's just, you know, you bring a date home and your parents are sort of just like, you know, they don't really make, you know, you're saying, you're a guy, I'm saying, I'm bringing a boyfriend home. Your parents are just saying, oh, I'm excited to meet him. Or, and it's not really a big deal. You know, when we get to that point in our society, um, then, you know, then we'll realize when it's not a big deal anymore, then we'll realize that we have reached our pinnacle goal. And when that is the norm, and we still have a long ways to go to do that. Now, I'm not saying obviously, obviously, you know, I feel like that being a member of this, uh, such a vibrant community is something to celebrate. Obviously, you know, I'm not one of those people who, <laughs> who who's like, you know, oh, don't, you know, some people are just like, oh, I shouldn't celebrate it it's not really you know there's i think there's you know it's important to celebrate yeah but we have to remember why it's why the the fact that it's the fact that it's so important to be proud of who you are is means that that we still have a long ways to go i think if you get what i'm saying yeah (laughs) Yeah. i I get it and we do have a long oh super long way to go i mean i mean it's gonna take years yeah you know for all this to and this is just in this country i mean in other countries this is you know you look at other countries where you know in chechnya right now gay men are being detained and tortured and kidnapped and murdered you know and and that's you know there's like i think 70 some countries where homosexuality is still punishable by death so that's you know we just you know, you look at, we still have a long ways to go in this country, you know, it's going to take, I don't even, 
want, I don't even want to put a timetable on before we can oh, yeah. finally have a world where nobody is oppressed because of their sexual orientation right. or their gender identity. Well, truthfully, if you really think about it, like in the grand scheme of things, your sexual orientation really doesn't matter. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, one thing I've seen in this country and, you know, and I, you know, you could disagree with this, you know, as well, but I've seen in this country, we've begun to like glorify coming out where it's like, it's, it's no longer like I'm coming out because, you know, I've been oppressed or because, you know, I mean, think, I mean, if you think about like, you know, our, the older generation, um, look at what they went through with Harvey Milk, Stonewall, yep. all that. And all that came out of depression, you know, oppression, depression. And now you look at us, you know, yeah. we're just coming out, you know, now we're just, seems like we're just coming out the womb. Like, hi, I'm here. <laughs> you know, I'm totally gay. You're going to have to deal with it. You know, high heels and glitter and everything shooting out the vagina. But, <laughs> you know, but even this, like. You know, now we're glorifying coming out. It's like coming out is no longer, in my personal opinion, a. I wouldn't say a. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> it's it's no longer a. Okay, that's awesome. You're so brave. It's now trending. Yeah. You know. It's I like, mean, I feel like. <laughs> you know, I feel like. You know it. Obviously, you know, I feel like the, if, you know, I agree with you there. It's, it's become, you know, it, it has sort of become trendy, but, you know, and we also have to remember, though, that, you know, everybody sort of has their own timetable and sure. way of coming out. And, you know, I think that when you come out you have to realize that it is unfortunately a it is like that's what i was talking about it is sort of still a a significant deal you know and and you know that's that's what and you know when we when we've reached our end goal is when coming out is no longer when nobody really has to come out it's no no longer i mean personally i was you know i mean i did come out to my friends when i was you know and, you know, I guess I sort of get what you're saying is, you know, I was sort of, I had the anxiety that, um, you know, believe it or not, I, I was afraid in high school that if I came out, people would think I was, I was trying to call attention to myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't want to call attention to myself, believe it or not. If you know, you know, I believe yeah, it. I believe you know, it. And, and, and this is despite the fact that I went to a very you know, open, accepting high school. I had tons of openly gay friends and, um, and, you know, my whole family, you know, well, I never had to come out to my family. That was a whole different story. My parents just sort of, I was fortunate. My parents just sort of, um, realized that I was gay on their own. And, you know, it was just like one day they were just like, you know, Jacob, we know you're gay. And it's like, okay, now it's just that. And, uh, but, uh, you know, when I came out, I, you know, and this is, well, I think, one of my biggest regrets waiting until after high school came out. I came out, actually, over a Facebook post. It was, I think, like, the week of, the week that the Supreme Court struck down the Defense of Marriage Act. Um, And I was just, you know, inspired by it. And, you know, I, you know, just... I, you know, posted this long Facebook post about just how, you know, I, I, I didn't want to come out in high school yeah. because I didn't want it to make it like I was drawing attention to myself or trying to make a big scene out of it. And, 
you know, sort of what you're saying. Some some people do make a, you know, and that's I feel like if, if I mean, to well to an extent. I mean, you know, some people, you know, just, that's just who they are. They're they're flashy, showy people, and you know, when they do things, they it makes a scene. Same, yeah, yeah. And that's the problem. Is like, but that's, to me, that's a problem though. It's like, okay, come out on your own terms, which is great, you know. And, and you know, of course, like even for me, yeah. you know, my family knew. Like they were just like, you know, soon when I did come out to them, they're like. Uh yeah we know you're like yeah. the gayest freaking thing walking around here. So, you know, yeah. so. Plus in my family it really wasn't a big deal because on my mom's side of the family I have a gay uncle, uh, a bisexual sister, a lesbian cousin, and I have a, a younger cousin who is trans and a, another younger cousin who identifies as non-binary. In fact, amongst my four cousins, my sister and my four cousins, only one of us is straight. She got married a couple summers ago. We were all joking how that was going to be the only straight wedding in our cousin, in our generation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, being, you know, my family is, uh, my mom's side of the family is pretty strange in the sense that straight is the out, straight is the outlier, or, you know, the, the, Minority. The, the minority, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, we are literally a queer Jewish, eccentric Jewish family. Well, that's I would good. say, yeah, I, I would say that's cool, though. It is. Know. It was, you know. And I realized I had, I did have, you know, surrounding that, I had sort of, you know, I sort of, you know, even going to a really accept, relatively accepting high school, and you know, growing up around accepting people, I feel that I was sort of privileged in a sense that I didn't have to go through the whole coming out to my family you know because my family sort of figured it out and they were all fine with it because it's just sort of just a normal occurrence in my family so well and that's it became a normal occurrence in your family whereas my family is more of like you know we were strict religious mm-hmm. you know Pentecostal holiness Baptist yeah. you know family but the funny part is a lot, like, I have a lot of bisexual cousins, yeah. and, you know, we're all just, like, you know, and, and the funny part is out of my generation, it's only, like, I think two people who got married. Oh, wow. Out of my, so far, out of our, you know, crew of kids, you know? But, again, it's, 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 it's one of those, like, it's one of those cool parts, you know, about being in a family that's like that, mm-hmm. where everyone has, like, their own identity, everyone has, you know, their own story, and mm-hmm. even for your family, your family's unique. Yeah. Within itself, being a Jew, being a Jewish family. Well, I will say know. that, you know, and I don't know if there's been any scientific studies done on this, but there's, from my experience, there seems to be a much higher prevalence of LGBT people within the Jewish community than the non-Jewish community. I don't. It would be interesting if there were, if 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 there if they would do a study on this to you know prove or disprove that theory but or if, i don't know if there has been a study done but from my personal experience there se- it seems to be much higher in the jewish community than in the non-jewish community i don't know if uh, you know obviously and i will say that you know there just as you know in christianity or any other religion there are sectors of judaism that are very conservative and right. traditional in not accepting of, I guess, quote unquote, what they would call quote unquote non traditional relationships, right? Um, such as Orthodox and ultra Orthodox Judaism. Um, so, but you know, 
you know, most people in the American Jewish community are either either um, conservative or reformed. Uh, right. My family's reformed, um, okay. so that's the basically Judaism. Uh, taking Judaism and making sure, you know, keeping the traditions, but sort of, sort of reworking them to fit into a modern world, modern society. So, very much the, I guess, uh, what's the really, really progressive Christianity, like whatever the really progressive Christian form of Christianity is. I can't think of the name of it, but but um, yeah, it's there. Yeah, it's there. So. But yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, definitely, it was. It's been. I but I realize that is a privilege that I've had, and you know, I sometimes you know, you know, and also I feel like that having that, it's important for me to realize that not every kid has the privilege of growing up in an accepting family, unfortunately, and you know, it's even more important for me to, you know call attention to the fact that kids are still being, you know, kids are still being forced into conversion therapy, which is, That's for right. lack, it's, it's, it's child abuse. So let's it just, is. let's just plain and simple call it what it is, child yeah, abuse. Child abuse. Um, I'll agree with that. And, um, you know, there, and then there are kids who are being forced to live out on the streets because their parents will disown them because, and, you know, I, I feel like the, I, when, those situations are still in existence as somebody who is privileged enough to not have to to have a family that loves and accepts me unconditionally um it's my responsibility to you know bring attention to those who are you know to who don't have that privilege yeah and and that's awesome i mean and 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 I can tell people, like, we you know when it comes, we, we talk about white privilege, you yeah. know, we call it white privilege, but really, even, I've realized, even in my own community, like Native American, even in the African American community, there are people, there are kids now who are privileged, like, you know, we, we like I said, based on community, wealth, or? based, based off, like, wealth, uh, educational status, all that, and it's like, okay, so, we could call it white privilege, but... There are even people in even in the black community who kids kids have that privilege. It's yeah. just they can walk down the street and you know they're they're looked at as you know they're looked at you know pure to the highest degree. You know, I mean, so. just you know, you look at somebody, you know, people. We we make snap judgments about people every day, like when we're walking down the street. You know, you see somebody, you make snap judgments based on the clothes they're wearing. You know. You know, if, if they're wearing a suit and tie, you say, oh, this person must be a successful businessman, you know, just, you know, just based on the snap judgment, you know, or, you know, it's, so that in a sense is, you know, having, you know, I, I see what you mean that as far as that goes, you know, is somebody, you know, obviously there's still the, the, like the, you know, especially when dealing with like uh, dealing with the police, there's still the issue of very much the issue of privilege. You know. Oh yeah. You know. There still is. Um, but you know, I, I definitely <laughs> get what you mean as far as there's different. Yeah. Like there's different layers of privilege as well, and even just appearance. You know? Oh yeah. There's and, and there is levels to it. There is, yeah. and it just the I guess it just depends on what level you're on. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, but again, that's awesome, and 
you know, but I do, I do like that you do recognize that. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people who refuse to recognize that, and as soon as we talk about, it, they're like, "Oh my God, you're playing." I do, however, I do, however, think that that is something that is a conversation that white people should stay out of. Is the sense <laughs> of saying, "Oh, well, this person doesn't doesn't you know suffer from this person is six this uh, person of color is successful and wealthy so they they must not suffer from from any yeah. any uh, societal um, discrimination because just because they're <laughs> successful and wealthy I think that for a white if a white person were to say that that would be completely inappropriate I think that that is a a, a conversation that I think needs to be had within communities of color we, and we, among communities of color and, and white people should stay out of it. Well, I mean... Coming we, from me as a white person, I think <laughs> that we should stay out of it. So I certainly try to stay out of those discussions. Well, I mean, we, we try to talk and that's, that's you know, on the next, on another episode, but like we do try to talk about within our communities and it's like, we don't want to talk about those, those are type Those types of topics, especially in the black community, we try to stay far away from and like you said, we actually need to have these conversations. We need to, you know, have within our own communities. But I also think also, you know, having a conversation with, you know, other communities as well. Because, you know, other, I mean, I know there are white people who know what it's like to struggle because of... Oh, absolutely. You know. You know, and I, I will say, you know, there, there are white people who, who are struggling. But the, the thing with white privilege is, is when it comes to the color of their skin... There are white people who are facing oppression, but not because of the color of their skin. No white person is facing oppression or economic hardship or just societal discrimination because of the simply because of the color of their skin. Now they may be they may be down because because of you know economic woes and you know other other instances or other. Uh, facets of their identity, but not because of the color of their skin. Right. And you know, with often, you know, oftentimes there are inter intersecting. Actually, most times there are intersecting levels of oppression. You know, there are. You know, sexism, racism, homophobia, all that, classism. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those all intersect. You know. Yep, and they do. And like every and every community has their own set yeah, of problems. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but like you said, we also use and and I can say this for the black community: we use uh, sexism, we use homophobia, we use you know all these things to keep each other from from you know from rising and to keep each other from you know being successful in, in our own community. And then we always, but then you know, we always want to point the finger at you know the white people yeah. or whoever. It's like no. We're and doing there's a lot of there's a lot of. I'd say within uh, traditionally marginalized communities, there's a lot of, there is a lot of internalized, you know, I think what you're trying to say is there's a lot of internalized sexism, internalized racism, internalized homophobia, and a lot of, you know, even, you know, internalized classism, you know. It it is, and that's that's another thing that we'll, you know, definitely have to talk with the black community about is that what historically what the white man did to us we do to each other and even even if you look at you know the late the spanish speaking community as well the latinx community yeah yeah sending with the sending with the asian community you know what so and so did to us we are mm-hmm. now doing to each other and but but we always still want to point the finger we always want to point the finger to no it was their fault well yeah. we didn't have to continue it 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I definitely do think, you know, I, I, and I think definitely I, I go back to um, those topics, you know, those are certainly big issues that need to be discussed. And I always try and, you know, stay away from, from weighing in too much on specific, the specifics of those issues as, you know, obviously I weigh in as a member of the LGBTQ community, I weigh in when it pertains to internal issues within the LGBTQ community. But when it comes to internal issues within the black community or within the Latinx community, et cetera, et cetera, as a white person, I try and stay out of those because those are, those are issues and conversations for those communities to have. And it is not the job of white people to, to, to weigh in or give their opinions on what they think these communities should be doing. It is those communities' job to, to self-criticize and, you know, work on, in a, you know, I mean that in the best way. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say as a white person, you guys need to be better before, you know, I'm saying as white people, we have, an, we have enough people that... We have enough of our own people we, we need to be calling out that we shouldn't be. Well, and like when I take, I take for example, you know, issues like that. I, when, with the whole Kanye West, the White House <laughs> thing, I, I tried to stay away from that because I recognized, okay, there are enough crazy Trump supporting white people that I can be calling out. I'm just going to leave this to the black community to call out Kanye. Um, we, we tried. It didn't work. <laughs> well, there's only so much you can do. We, we tried, and basically the black community is like, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically how yeah. that went. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, no, I mean, I, I, do agree with, I do agree with what you're saying, though. Like, we need to call him out. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Kanye, and he's, he's a prime example. Even R. Kelly, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, R. Kelly. I'm, they, Oh, and, yeah, yeah, but those two are prime examples, in my personal opinion, of mental illness. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, so they're they're prime examples. So I will say though, as a black person, you know, and I guess we could use this later as a segue into the. And next I will segment. say, I will also say, I'm not trying to say that I don't make mistakes as a white person. I make plenty of mistakes, and I try and realize those mistakes, and I appreciate when people call me out on those mistakes and oh, say. Yeah. Hey, you need. This is not. You know, you should stay away from this. This isn't your your issue to be discussing. You know, right. I appreciate when people call me out or when I make a mistake because you know. Right. I mean, we all do. Absolutely. And, you yeah. know, but at the same time, though, I like to have the conversation with other people because sometimes it's hard to talk to your own people. It's really hard sometimes. Of course, yeah. And because then they're looking at you like, oh, you, you're a self-hating black man. No, what I'm saying is... It's all about you know. trying to become better as, as, as a group of people, you know, yeah. better individually and also just, you know, better as, as you know, as a community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I said, all communities, we need to work on Absolutely. getting better. But as far as the LGBT community, we're... We're one big melting pot. Yeah. You know, we have a little bit of everybody. There is no, like, there is no big box store cut out of a gay person. Exactly. And that's the problem is, like, what what the world's, the world, what the world classifies as a gay person is what has been shown and been seen oh. stereotypically. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the little booty shorts, you know. Yeah, exactly. A guy with a super high-pitched voice. And even, even, you know, just the... <laughs> The just the um, the white uh, 
the white affluent gay man. There's just like, you know, people think with, you know, it's been, there's been a lot of, in the media, there's been a lot of increase in showing more di- a diverse sampling of the LGBTQ community, but still primarily uh, displaying a white, affluent, cisgender people. And that is a problem because we are not all like that. You know, that's not, that's not what the entire LGBTQ community is like. And when... When, when people are being introduced to the community for the first time like that, they're getting an inaccurate represent, representation of what our community is like if they're just seeing these white, wealthy, affluent people. And that and that's another problem, even within the LGBT community, because I know um, I used to write for a couple LGBT publications, and the funny part is, out of every writer that they had, I was the only African-American one. And so you're, like, tokenized? Or? I was basically token. <laughs> I was tokenized and it sucked but I was still pushing to get issues like to get black issues to get mm-hmm. issues that I know would affect black people in the LGBT community but I kept getting shot down now here we are what I quit doing it in 2015 mm-hmm. now here we are four years later and now they're putting black men on the cover now they're putting yeah. you know black issues in their in their publications and it's like the pace of change can be really frustrating at times. I mean, it it's like, it, 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 yeah, it, it can be really frustrating. I get, I get what you're saying because you know, especially when looking and you know, looking at it from somebody who is being impacted or from the lack of change, right. um, it, it's even more frustrating. You know, oh, yeah. people say, oh, it's easy for somebody who's not, who's not being who's sitting on the sidelines say oh be patient change takes time but when you're actually actually you know actually feeling the effects of the change or the lack of change you know it's like that's you know very very privileged viewpoint for you to be coming from i mean yes it's true change does take time it does and you know but you have to realize some people sometimes that change is you know, it's not just the, you know, you have to realize that at the end of the day, people, you know, people's quality of lives are, are what the very, very basis of what these things, what these issues are about. Yep, that's true. But I mean, and, and like I said, all we can do is move forward. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad they're moving forward, mm-hmm. but it's still it's like. It's uh, frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I look at it it's now. It's like just now we should have, we should have been here. I mean, even back to the whole conversion therapy thing, it's like, this should have been done, banning conversion therapy, this should have been done decades, I mean, like, decades Decades ago, yeah, decades ago, I mean, and we're just now doing it, it's like, I mean, it took, it took a couple of blockbuster movies last year to come out to really bring attention to the the world about this issue, where, you know, people, you know, where, you know, people were really saying, okay, we really need to, you know, we really need to, you know, put a stop to this, and, you know, it's it's sort of, like, ridiculous, because it, this is, like, the whole, there's been knowledge of conversion therapy and the whole crave a gay away thing, like, it's, it's, you know, it's been knowledge of that for, for as long as I can remember, at least. Yeah, it's, it's been there for years. Even, even you know, when I was in, growing up in church, you know, their, their big thing was pray the gay away, you know. It's, it's like, okay, I could pray, but the yeah. thing is, is God really listening? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? 
But again, it's you know we have to again talk about these things within our communities yeah. and you know and like I said, conversion therapy should have been gone a long freaking time ago. But it, 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 to me, just poses the question of now you're doing it, but why weren't you supportive of it when? You know, yeah. You know, something with like when I was writing for the publications, trying to get you know black issues into these publications. It's like, it's are like, you doing you this? <laughs> are you doing this now because it's trendy, or are you doing it just? Are you doing it because you really had sort of an epiphany that right. wow, we we really should be giving voices to these mark. We really should be allowing these um, marginalized sectors of our community to tell their stories. You know, it's you know, and I don't know. You know, that's you know. It's things are changing, but how much of it is really people having a change of heart? How much of it is it's becoming trendy to allow yeah. marginalized communities Sweet. to tell their stories? You know, yeah. is it becoming sort of, I guess, you know, people trying to capitalize? You know, it's becoming capitalized. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the nice thing, if you're trying to capitalize on it, then you're, you're not, not in the right place. Exactly. Your, your heart is not in the right it's place. Not. And if and if your heart is in the right place, Godspeed. You know, I'll support yep. you. But if you're not, if, like you said, if your heart's not in the right place and you're only doing it just to make yourself look good, up, uh, sorry. Yeah, just <laughs> so you know, if you're doing it just for like social capital, just for fr- yeah, exactly. I can't support you. Exactly, <laughs> you know, and you know, and I think you know that's a big. That's you know, it's good that we're having more representation, but we really have to be asking ourselves. In, in the media and in advertising, there's your representation, but we really have to be like examining. Okay, are these companies really having a change of heart, or are they doing it to increase their bottom line because they know that that, that um, giving voices to these social causes and these um, marginalized communities is sort of the trendy thing right now? People are it into it. People are very much into like, it. <laughs> I will say, um, a couple of weeks ago, the big thing was the Gillette ad, and that yes. was an amazing commercial. That was a good commercial. Like. But when you think about it, Gillette is a company. Were they really doing it? Because Did they really decide to come out with that ad because they realized, you know, we've sort of been perpetuating the toxic masculinity that's prevalent in society in the past in our advertising. We want to make a change because, because we realize we've done wrong and we need to make a change. Or were they doing it just to capitalize on the sort of woke social movement? Right. You know, and, and I will say the, the people critic the people saying, Oh, I'm throwing away my Gillette because these you know well, those are those people are <laughs> ridiculous. But also we need to really look at it from were they doing it because really from the mindset of we wanna really make it as a as a prominent brand name, we wanna make a statement. Or were they doing it from? We want to do this because it's tre- because it's trendy right now. Yeah, well, I think Gillette, and this is my own personal opinion. I'm like Gillette, to this, let's be honest. Gay people use your shit too. Like, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're we're, we're just as hairy. We we, 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 we got to shave too, bro. Yeah. Like, so you know, if, if I mean, I'm I like the commercial. But yeah. Oh yeah. It's like okay, let's realize this. Everybody uses your product, yeah. and and you're not gonna lie. Gillette is a very prominent brand. Like they're huge as far as you know hygiene and you know shaving and stuff. So it's like, yeah, we we use your stuff too, Gillette. I'm for you. Like yep. come, you know, come to Pride Fest and have a whole booth if you want. To. Uh-huh. You know, but again, like you said, we do we do need to have this conversation. Yeah, and I agree 100. And 
you know, but again, moving forward, let's, I would say moving forward, let's everybody have this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, not just, and not just in your household, definitely, definitely with your kids, you know, have it with your kids, but have it, you know, within your own community and then let's all come back together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, yeah. you know, let's see, see what ideas we can come up with, yeah. you know, from there, but uh, yeah. But. Another thing, I, you know, you brought up pride and that sort of brought, made, made me think sort of about, there's a big issue right now over the past few years, a debate within the LGBTQ community that has pride become sort of too corporatized as far as, you know, yeah. I know in New York City this year with the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots, there's actually a coalition that is, sort, that is doing a, they're trying to organize a second pride march that sort of yeah. takes pride back more to its radical roots. And it'll be interesting to see if they can pull that off because, you know, pride, it takes a lot of money. And that's the that's the big thing. Well, people are, you know. well, New York is one of the largest prides in the country. Yeah. And, you know, and like you said, has it become more corporatized? Has it been has it become more commercial? I would say yes. Absolutely. But the debate <laughs> yeah. is whether it's for the better. Is it for the better or for the worst? Or, you know, and people, yeah. that's sort of the debate within the community right now. I, think, so. I mean, I would say it depends on where you're at. Because mm-hmm. um, not all prides are like that, you know. If you go, oh to, yeah, down you know, Pueblo Pride, Pueblo, Pueblo, Pride, Pueblo yeah. Pride, I think is, you know, I was there with with Outlaw Men's Corps to be saying down there, yep. and that was the, I, I really, you know, I, I like Colorado Springs Pride, and I've been to Denver Pride once. Those are both pretty pretty extravagant, yeah. um, but I also really like how how sort of laid back Pueblo's Pride is, you know, oh, yeah. and that's nice. Well, well, it was about it was theirs had more of a sense of community. Yeah. Theirs was Definitely. more about the community and the fact that they had, you know, a gay LGBT Native Americans come. And yeah, that was amazing. And yep. had, and of course, that had you guys out loud. And yep. I mean, they had all sorts of stuff. And, yep. and, that, and I actually enjoyed Pueblo Pride a oh, lot Oh, yeah, more, me too. You know, um, which I kind of wish they would bring that idea to Back. Colorado Springs and Denver. <laughs> I mean, they do have like a family day at Colorado Springs. I mean, it's that's still a not really. Day. It's, not, it's no. still not really a... To me, it's it's too commercial. Like, yeah. it's too commercial. They do mo- mostly trendy stuff. Like, I don't mind drag queens, and to all the drag queens, you know, you know, I love you because I support y'all club too all the time. But <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm sort of tired of seeing an entire two hour show of drag queens, and then everybody else is just like, okay, we're here, and we're gonna entertain you for five minutes, <laughs> and yeah. then we're done. Because I also feel like, you know, kind of talking about you know music and LGBT and stuff. There are LGBT artists here in Colorado Springs, and I'm one of them, who never who are talented gets, and never yeah, get seen. Yeah, and exactly. we never get seen by our own, not only by our own people, but we don't. Pride Fest people don't actually ask us to come and perform. And I think that is a big, you know, like I said, I'm I'm all for drag myself. You know, yeah. I I have utmost respect for what drag queens do. I could yeah. never pull off that amount of creativity and artistic talent just in their looks and oh, their yeah. performance and everything. But at the same time, you have to realize that when it comes to artistry within the LGBTQ community, there we're not all drag queens. Like, no, we, <laughs> actually, <we're not>. we <laughs> uh, it would be kind of a, if we were if every LGBTQ person was a drag queen, then that would be kind of a boring community. I it mean, would be. Cause <laughs> it, it gets it gets old after yeah. a while. Yeah, I mean, you got to have some spice and some variety. Uh, you have to, and it's like, you know, because I remember when Pride Fest, back when I was younger, you know, a teenager, when we used to yep. go to Pride Fest, you would see LGBT artists, you would see painters, you would see music artists, you would see, you know, all sorts of stuff. Now, And we should bring that back, definitely. We need to, because now it's mostly about 
and like I said, love my drag queens. Mm-hmm. You know, I love y'all. Yep. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's getting a little old. I get that, yeah. And, you know, yeah. it is. And it's like, we, but we have to change that. And we have to also encourage the committee um, to change it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, what can we do? And another thing is, I have to say, even this year, I, I want to say, like, what can I do to be of service so that way we can make it better? Yeah. You know, what can I do? Like, maybe, maybe they don't know who the LGBT artists are. It's, and it's like, okay, I know a few of them that can, you know, yep, I can pull and exactly. come along with me. Yep. So, you know, maybe maybe we need to do that. Yeah. Know, especially especially this year because, you know, Pride is going to be coming up like four month, four or five months. So, when is it this year? They said a date July. before? July. July. It's always like the second weekend yeah, of July. Probably like, so I remember uh, we were talking about it in rehearsal because we usually work. We're probably going to sing there again. I yeah. surprised we didn't. But uh, I think to like July 12, 13, 14, 14, something like that something this like year. That. But yeah, I mean, I'm gonna try to hit this year. I kind of want to hit Denver. I, I would love to go to Denver, but I can never, I can never find a way up. But we'll see what happens this year. We'll see. You never know. You could probably ride it with me. <laughs> <laughs> like we'll just hang out for yeah. a little bit. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. But uh, I definitely hit a few Pride Fest this year, at least more than what I did last yeah. year. Um, but yeah. But speaking of out loud, so I did put this in the notes, people. Yep. Just saying. But <laughs> speaking of Out Loud, um, who actually, those guys, I do love you guys. Um, I've been volunteering now for, what, four years? We now? love him. He does a great job. He, he's... I know. I travel with yep. them. And it, I mean, I don't go to retreat. Big support. He's a, he is one of our biggest supporters. I try. I mean, I really... No, not just because my boyfriend's in the choir. <laughs> but honestly, like, I started to kind of get to know some of you guys. And it's like, okay, I can sort of relate, especially to, like, the ones who are closer to my age like I'm 28 yeah. so someone like you know you Brian Joseph, you know, and his partner Joseph and, yeah you know there's actually only only kind of a few of us who are, who are younger in the choir yeah. like the youngest of us I think I'm the second youngest uh, at yeah. 24 and then our youngest is 19 Daniel. Daniel yep yeah, Daniel he's 19. 19 amazing but, but I mean great choir in my personal opinion one of the, one of the best um, most mostly male <laughs> courses um, here in Colorado, um, you know I like DGMC too. DGMC's dope, but you yeah. know I also love Out Loud and I like volunteering with them. But it's like, you know, my my experience is a little different only because I'm a volunteer. I don't really sing with the choir because you know, schedule doesn't permit me to. But um, what has your experience been like so far? Well, let me just say when I started with Out Loud, I heard I heard these guys sing at Pride and. Uh, Summer of, I believe, 2017, yeah, because, and I used to go to school at UCCS. I graduated from Palmer High School in 2013, um, and I decided, so my senior year of high school, I was, this sort of all leads into how I, bear with me, this sort of leads all leads into how I got started with that lab. So some uh, summer year, or senior year of high school, I was, uh, it was actually six years ago, about this time, to, about this time right now. Uh, right, this is being recorded on uh, February eighth. I was up in Denver because um, I was selected to be uh, in the Colorado All-State Choir, and um, that weekend sort of had a profound impact on me in the sense that it made me realize that I had a profound love for choral music, and I wanted to be involved with it for the rest of my life in some fashion or just music for the rest of my life right 
So I decided, when I graduated high school, I decided to major in music performance at UCCS as a voice major. Now I will say, I, I had an interesting experience at UCCS. I went there for a few semesters and I left mainly due to financial reasons because as I'm sure everybody listening to this knows, <laughs> college is hella expensive right now. Um, it, uh, not getting any cheaper, um, but so I decided to take some time off. But while I was there, I took I, I was majoring as in music performance. I took voice lessons. Um, actually, my voice teacher helped me figure out that I was actually a tenor and not a baritone. Um, so you know, UCCS didn't have the best music program. To put it in perspective, at the time, the only music room in the school was in the loading dock for the nursing building. Uh, so that's sort of where, UCCS is a wonderful school and I'm sure it's probably, now they have the new end center for the performing arts. They didn't have yes. that when I was there, so. But anyway, so I sort of, for between 2014 and 2017, I really wasn't singing or doing anything and I had sort of just sort of accepted, and I have sort of accepted, you know, I love music, it's a passion of mine, but I'm not anywhere near as near talented enough to make it a living, so. Uh, but anyway, so I heard Out Loud in 2017 at Pride, and I was just like, it sort of just brought back all this nostalgia. Like, I really miss, like, made me think, God, I really miss singing in a choir. It was like, I had so many fond memories, especially in high school, of just singing. It's, you know, there are so many articles I've read about the positive things that singing in a choir can do. In fact, um, I think I read a really interesting article once that said the two most tight-knit, like, two most tight-knit community groups are Alcoholics Anonymous, number one, and Choirs, number two. Wow. So, you know, that's really how, how, yeah, seriously, tight-knit choirs become. Um, But, um, so, you know, I really miss that sense of community, and I guess, well, at first it was just like, I miss singing a choir, I miss just making music with a group of people. I didn't really expect it to become anything other than just making music with a group of people. But I joined Out Loud, and just like, from the moment I walked into the first rehearsal, all the guys, you know, they were asking me, you know, just trying to get to know me and whatnot, and it was just like, just a bunch of really friendly, just open guys. And really, and then it was like, really talented. The first season was just incredible, I mean, we just say our artistic staff, um, Joshua Brown, our artistic director, and our arti- assistant artistic director, uh, Joey Young, they work so incredibly well together. Um, Joshua is more the, um, I guess, technical as- aspect, like like you need to like, op- you know, like form- forming your vowels, consonants, all oh, the yeah. technical stuff required. Oh, yeah. Whereas Joey brings into more of the like, okay, this is how we need the musicality portion of it. And yeah. it's really, the way they work together just really makes us sound, really just does wonders. And we're just so lucky to have them. And then <laughs> just, there are so many unbelievably talented singers in this group. I mean, individual singers. Like, I, it's, un, like, I am just, you know, I just find myself... Sometimes I think, like, how did I become so lucky to not just sing in such a one group, a choir with just a wonderful group of men, but also just such talented musicians. I mean, 
our last concert that we did was some of the most challenging music that I've ever done, and that's considering that I've been in a Colorado All-State Choir in high school, right. and that music <laughs> is challenging. It is super challenging, but, you know, the fact that we were able to pull off such challenging music our last concert was really testament to how much talent and, you know, musicality is in this group and our upcoming concert is going to be is is going to be incredible we're doing um 50 shades of gay it's a celebration of the 50th anniversary of stonewall so we're doing a bunch of a bunch of songs that were actually in the jukebox at stonewall at the time so it's gonna it's gonna be a fun one but i'd say my overall Joining Out Loud, to sum it up, has been one of the best decisions I have ever made. It's really given me a community. Monday nights when we rehearse, I look forward to Monday nights throughout my entire week. Monday, you know, it's it sounds weird, but, you know, there's never a time where I'm just like, God, I wish I was anywhere else but rehearsal. Because I just absolutely love spending my Monday evenings with those guys. And it's just, just you know, laugh, all the inside jokes and the laughter and just making beautiful music together. It sounds cheesy, but there really is something to... And just, you know, I have since... Another thing I... This is really my first men's chorus that I've sang in. You know, I was... When I was in high school, I we didn't have a men's chorus in my high school. They do now. I'm really, I'm really upset. It's like, oh, now you have a men's chorus. Why couldn't you have one when I was there? Uh, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, when I, when I went to Allstate six years ago, I heard for the first time the intense, there's something very beautiful about men's voices together. And I have nothing against mixed choruses. Mixed choruses are awesome. I sang in mixed choruses forever, but men's chorus, there's something really just, just really ethereal about men's choirs and the sound, the beautiful music that they can make together. And being a part of it for the first time has just been amazing so i you know i absolutely love love out loud to death those guys are some of the best people in the world i mean just beyond their musicality and their talent they're some of the kindest humblest and just greatest all-around people in the world and i'm just so fortunate to have them in my life and yeah. <laughs> and also thank you know just having met people like you who are all so supportive of us it's it's you know we could you know you guys you guys are really the 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 best people like you because you you guys always come to our concerts and you support us and it's it's always you know you're the reason we do what we do so uh, well you know i mean i like to volunteer and i mean volunteer wise like we've really taken on I would say more of a business <laughs> role. Oh, yeah, certainly. You know, because definitely, like, you know, we make sure, you know, Out Loud makes money. Yep. Why? Because, you know, making money is fantastic. Yeah. But, but, you know, we also, like, behind the scenes, we're making sure that, you know, the snacks is done, you know, refreshments are done. Yeah. Um, and it's not even just that. It's like, you know, we, we've, we've taken on, like I said, that business role where, you know, it's like, okay, we want to make sure that the money's right. We want to make sure that by the time the concert's over, everything is cleaned. Everything yep. is, you know, reset for whatever, yep. you know. The, you guys do a wonderful job. Like, if we, if we were for you guys, we wouldn't, 
We would be singing in an empty dark, empty dark church with no with no sound and no right. extravagant decorations or props or risers or anything without you guys. Well, and, and also I would also have to like to shout out you know First Congregational. Who, oh yes, they are wonderful. That's basically the yep. church that like yep. I will say that birthed uh, out loud. There are rehearsal space. There there where we have space. our concerts. They are they're, they're phenomenal. <laughs> we we oh we owe them. Oh, yeah. Endless amount of thanks because without them, we would not ex- be in existence. I mean, they, they're awesome. And, you know, and again, like I said, you know, Out Loud is such a great course. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to join officially myself, but it's, it's, it's great to know and to see, you know, just a band of guys. It's like a brotherhood. And it is, true. It really is. And um, I, I hope more people who are listening, you know, whoever listens to this. All right. So, yeah. Um, if you are a um, if you're a first tenor or a bass, uh, especially, uh, we would really we would really love to have you with us because right now we have I think about four first tenors, eight or nine second tenors, like ten or eleven baritones, and then like three or four basses. So <laughs> we can really use some some help on the top end of the staff and the bottom end of the staff to you know. Put it musically, so right. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Uh, obvi- obviously, if, if if you're a baritone or a second tenor, we welcome you. We welcome you anyway. And on and yeah, definitely. Just we would love to have the more the merrier. So you know, it's a wonderful group of guys. So I definitely, definitely. If if you if you love to sing, uh, definitely come sing with us. Oh, yeah, if you're sure. free Monday nights and you love to sing, come sing with us. Yep, and I think you know the Fifty Shades of Gay concert. That's what. May third and fourth. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to be at those concerts because my cousin has a, my cousin in Portland has a bar mitzvah on Yay. the third. So, <laughs> I, you know, I'm I'm really disappointed I had to miss this concert. But um, you know, family comes first. I love my cousin, and I would feel extremely guilty if I missed such an important occasion. <laughs> well, I mean, but, it's a big milestone. Yeah, fortunately, fortunately, we are also doing a, another concert. I forget the name of the church, but our artistic director's yes. church on Saturday the 11th. So yep. if you're listening and you're up in Denver, come come see us on, on Saturday the 11th. I, I wish I knew the name of the church, but... And that's uh, May 11th? Or May 11th, May yes. 11th. So remember that, May 11th. Out Loud will be in Denver. Uh, I'll get y'all the details later. <laughs> but... Yeah, definitely. And like I said, Out Loud is a great course, and I've enjoyed my time with them, and I'm still, I'm still with them. I'm still gonna volunteer, but you know, definitely for you know, for me as an artist, I would definitely like to work with them um, and uh, more musically at least. You know, so we'll see if we can do that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. talk. We'll talk to Josh later about that. But um, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you have you've had such a great experience. Oh, and it's been amazing. I would have never, in my wildest dreams, imagined that the Out Loud has become. When I joined, I would have never imagined that Out Loud would become such a big part of my life that it's been, that it's become. It's really become my family, my second family, really and truly. That's awesome. Yeah. Yay. So, definitely, um, I do want to say, though, like, speaking musically of, you know, Out Loud, DGMC, even the Denver Women's Chorus, um, I kind of want to do something different. Um, I want to say different, but I kind of want to do something where like LGBT artists and these courses meet. That would be phenomenal. Are you, like do like collaborations? Yeah, like because, that would be amazing. Like, I mean, because I know Out Loud has flown out, you know, 
like I think I forgot what his name was, but he was like uh, part of American Idol when American Idol was was it when American Idol yeah. was the shit. And you know this guy sang, and they threw him out. Yeah, like early to mid two thousands yeah. uh, when Marcus Willing was still the, the director. That was a long time ago, Jesus. But um, yeah, it's like why aren't we why why aren't we as locals connecting together? I actually really love that idea. I would love to yeah. you know to do collaborations with with local artists like that. If if we had an opportunity to do that, that would be amazing. Like yeah. I think yeah. we should because it's like Absol- yeah, definitely. I mean, we're all here. We're all going for the same goal at mm-hmm. least remotely yeah. in different ways and it's like and we're always looking for more you know to, to yeah. you know build a presence in, you know uh, to make our presence known to more people and yeah. so are you so are you guys as individual artists in the LGBTQ exactly so, so I mean I would say to all the choruses if you're listening <laughs> I would say you know find out who your local LGBT artists are and let's reach out, let's let's collaborate, let's get together and let's do something really cool because, I mean, truthfully, we could all continue to do our stuff, you know, separately, but together, there's so much more we can accomplish and so much more we can do musically, um, even with activism, which, you know, we'll talk about in another episode as well, like... Oh, there's so much, you know, another thing I love about Outlaw, I'm glad you brought up activism in the sense of music because I love Outlaw's, you know... As an activist myself, I love, you know, obviously we're, we make music and we yeah. don't make it overtly political, but we do bring attention to social justice issues with our, our use music to bring attention to social justice issues. We do. And that's uh, in, in Out Loud and that's part of our mission. Um, and it's really going to be prevalent to, in this upcoming concert with the oh, 50th yeah. anniversary of Stonewall. So, uh, yeah. um, and, um, you know, that's as somebody who's passionate about social justice issues, I really feel like it's really amazing that I can be part of such a wonderful group that also brings attention to important issues. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and we need that. And the thing is, Absolutely. it's not, and it shouldn't be just Art a, and activism uh, go hand in hand. It, it does. But the thing is, it shouldn't be just a one or two concert thing. It, it every means concert. every concert, every show, and now I, I will say, you know, some people don't like the social justice aspect of it. Some people don't. Doesn't that be overtly political? But you know, there, every time, every time, I, I will say, every concert I've been part of, whether it's been a song, there's always been sort of a reflection on during our concerts about where we are as, you know, where we are in the state of world events and in the state of our community right now there's always been sort of a reflection on and what we need to do to change like what we need to keep in mind and that's really what i've appreciated uh, like aside from just everything else about out loud that's really what i've appreciated and we should all look at you know what can i do or what can we do as a collective to provoke change not only in our community but in our state and you know and of course the country as a whole yeah but but it starts at home Absolutely. Definitely starts here first. So if we could all, you know, focus on what to do here at home, I mean, the the energy will just, you know, go from here to Denver to Pueblo, then eventually to the whole state. And, you know, but that's things like, what can we do to provoke change? And art is one way we can provoke change, you know? Absolutely. And that's what I love about art. That's, you know, I love it. It's... Music in particular, you know, throughout 
every major social movement in in history almost has had some music some aspect of it tied to music yeah um some more than others but there's something about music that is just now i'm getting all like meta and everything but it just (laughs) makes you know it makes people feel it, it it speaks to people's emotions and it draws people to action you know it, it, it really sends does. a message and that's you know really the power of music and art in general you know I, i'm speaking of music at because music is the art ideal in true but you know well, even, art in general definitely right well even if you look at like any major movement that has happened in the country any major movement that has happened has always been set to music. Look at the civil rights movement. Absolutely. Uh, we had several hymnals, several songs look at, slavery look at, but not just those, but also look at, you know, Stonewall look at. Stonewall, yep. Um, even look at Harvey Milk with that whole situation. Everything was, everything, every big major move, movement has had music some sort, some way, shape, form, or fashion tied into it. And music has the power to build solidarity amongst amongst communities and uplift people's spirits when times are tough, you know, and and that's, you know, that's, in the world we're living in today, it's easy to get bogged down in all the crap that's happening, just, it's like living in a an unhinged reality show sometimes looking at the news <laughs> um but that is a reality show <laughs> yeah really the white house itself is a yeah, reality show pretty, yes point. pretty much yeah <laughs> um but it's really easy to get just bogged down and i personally have found music singing being able to just you know obviously not entirely letting go but it's it's Music is a type of therapy I've found, and it, it, is. it is that it's that for a lot of people. And it is, and I mean that's the thing. Like even for me, like some people might not like some of the stuff that I listen to. Well, you know, I'm we all very... have different tastes. If we all, if everybody had the same music tastes, yeah. we would all be very boring. And true, and music would be boring if everybody had the same taste because it would just be like cookie cutter stuff. True, and although the... I will say a lot of music that's come out. <laughs> comes out is cookie cutter it really is but it, that's a totally different topic of course but <laughs> which of course we'll talk about it you know later but you know it's it, I, I love music i love how it makes me feel i love i mean last thing i have a very eclectic musical collection i can go from you know classical to completely ratchet you know in like five seconds yeah. you know but again it's 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 I find it. I find music, and this is just another way music affects me. Is where it's a way to communicate. Um, you know, on my first album that came out last year, you know, there were certain emotions and things that I personally, if I were to talk to you about it, you wouldn't really get the full spectrum. Because it was just it was. too too personal for you. A little bit, and then, but I was able to sing it. Well, I mean, too <laughs> personal in the sense that. It was something that nobody except for you, the person who was going yeah. through those emotions, would truly understand. Right, and so, but my, but for me to convey that to you or to other people, singing it mm-hmm. became that way to communicate it. And then when people heard it, they're like, "Oh, yeah," you know. Then they then they got it. They're like, "Okay, so you you know you went through this thing, you went through that. We understand how you feel." 
Yeah, because I was able to communicate it to you in a, in a different way. So that's another way art works, you know, that if I can't communicate it to you through conversation, I can, I can sing it to you, you yeah. know, or I can rap it to you, or I can paint it, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, I might not be able to put it into pure conversation like now, but I could do something. Yeah. And, um, and that, that's, that's just another, you know, way art works. And definitely we'll, like I said, that, we'll talk more about it later, but... <laughs> Because <laughs> we could talk about that for hours. Absolutely, yeah, that's a that's a totally open ended. That is an open ended topic we could delve into. And oh, yeah. Just never stop. Never stop. But uh, definitely, we've you know I think we've hit most of the stuff, have we? Hell yeah, <laughs> we've hit almost everything. I know. Sorry, y'all. I'm over here looking at notes and, and stuff because I like to have notes. It's fine. That's always important to come prepared. You know, you don't just oh, want. Yeah. Oh, I mean, sometimes just fly by the seat of your pants but you know when you're doing something you know it's, it's nice to be prepared oh always nice to be prepared but i think we've gone through mostly everything um well jacob i would like to say thank you well for, thank for you sure. um just for you know being available of course well it's thank you and once again it was honor being being on your podcast and honor being the, on the first episode so i'm uh i i'm really looking forward to listening to the to the other episodes that you're that are coming out uh i'm and i'm just uh, i'm really thankful you decided to have me on so thank you so much uh no problem and again we'll uh we'll probably have him on again you'll probably do a part three and four don't worry <laughs> it'll, I, it'll be my pleasure <laughs> it'll but uh definitely we're gonna sign off and uh thank you all for listening and thank you for supporting uh you meet us we if you guys have any topics that you would like for us to cover uh, shoot them over. Um, you'll find me on Facebook, Dominique Robbins, D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E, R-O-B-B-I-N-S, and you can, that's my personal Facebook. Or you can find me on my Instagram artist page, D-M-I-N-Q underscore official. Shoot me a DM. Don't, you know, I mean, don't be all up in my DMs all the time, but shoot me, shoot me a DM, and you know, definitely let me know what you guys want to hear, what, what guys want, what you guys want to hear more of. If you guys want to, you know. Definitely, I'll bring Jacob back on, whether you like it or not. But you know, sorry, you're stuck with me. (laughs) Yes, you guys are stuck. Um, And yeah, so again, we're signing off. Thank you for listening to you, me, us, we. This is your hostess with the mostest, Dominique. And you guys have a blessed rest of your week. See you all next Friday. Bye, everyone.